You hear me? Hooray! Welcome, everybody. Oh, a bit of feedback. We all right? We're all right. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, thank you for um, being here. It's a privilege to preach to you for a second time. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, that God seemed to know what I was going to preach on. <laughs> um, in, in the worship, um, there were a couple of things that were brought, and I thought it'd be nice to start off just reminding you what they were brought, because they do fit in beautifully. Um, the song, uh, Lighthouse, I Will Trust Your Promise. My preach is all about promises this morning. I will follow you, my lighthouse. In my troubled sea, you will carry me safe to shore. And hopefully you'll realize how that fitted in. And I don't know whether you meant to, but um, uh, Tom brought Psalm 46 um, this morning. And it talks about helping us when we're in trouble. It talks about um, mountains being moved into the sea and how rough life can be. And it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Behold the works of the Lord. He makes wars cease. He's such a great God, isn't he? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It fits in beautifully. And um, also what Ken brought about Jesus saying that um, you know, his burden is light. He said, you know, give your life to me. Cast your, uh, your cares upon me because my burden is light. I will take care of you. It's just all beautiful stuff. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for doing that. Let, I'll just pray very quickly. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, help me in this preach just to be clear about what you're saying. Thank you. You're speaking to us already. I just pray, Lord, that you um, would speak to us very clearly, speak to hearts this morning, that we know what you're saying to us and give people the, the courage and the boldness to put their trust in you. Amen. So um, a couple of little apologies. Last time I preached, I, I made a mistake, because it was the first time I ever preached, of going off my notes. And, and I said, uh, God needs you. Well, it's need with a little n, isn't it? Um, and it was in context of what I was saying, that, you know, if, if we don't step up and serve him, he doesn't need us, he'll just use someone else. He'll do it another way. And I just want to clarify that, because a few people mentioned it last time, so just to clarify, I do understand that. <laughs> um, so, a uh, bit of heresy there, I'm sorry about that, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> but you invited me back, so that was okay. <laughs> And the other thing is, uh, you know, I, I embarrassed my wife last time, and I promised her not to embarrass her this time uh, by le letting you know what some of her little pet names are for me. So I promised her not to embarrass her this time, and in fact, I'm going to be extra careful because I've got my husband performance review coming up at the end of this week. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. It, <clears throat> it's next week. Um, right, so... Um, <laughs> so... Just to um, get started, the first slide, can God be trusted? Yes, he can. Thank you for answering. Right, so coffee? <laughs> we all make plans, don't we? We all have plans and we have dreams. We should make plans and we should make dreams. Dreams and plans are important. I don't know if you know this quote by Benjamin Franklin. It says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So we do need to plan. But life is unpredictable. 
I think we can all say life is unpredictable. People let us down. People we love sometimes. We don't get the exam results we need. We don't get our dream job. We put an offer on a house and it falls through. We struggle to have children. Relationships end. There are no guarantees in life. But there are promises. There are promises. And we need promises more than we need guarantees in the world. Whether you can trust those promises, though, depends on who's making them, doesn't it? One of my work bosses recently, he made lots of promises to me, and some of them were ridiculously big, and I didn't take them seriously, but he, he made a lot of promises, big and small, and none of them happened. Again and again, he let me down, and I got so cross, but then I realized that was misplaced trust. It was my fault for trusting him in the first place. I should have been trusting in God. Jacob wanted a future. He wanted a future so bad. He was so insecure. But he made the mistake of not trusting God. He trusted in his own plans and his own methods. And later on, he trusted his uncle. We've got a video now. And I just want to say before we start it that um, just thank you to the Gibson family, the Simmons family, and the... Oh, it's gone blank now. What was the other one? Warners! So, sorry, it's gone black. And I've got a little way from all the children who contributed. I think it's really cute. So enjoy the video. The story of Jacob and Laban. When Jacob found out his brother Esau was planning to kill him in revenge for deceiving him out of his father's blessing, his mother suggested he fled to stay with her brother Laban. Isaac blessed Jacob before he left. So Jacob set off on the long journey north to Haran, where Laban and his family lived. On his travels, he stopped for the night and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were climbing up and down it. There above it stood the Lord. The Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out in every direction. Everyone on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. He set up a pillar using the stone under his head and called the place Bethel, which means house of God. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, protect me and provide food to eat, and clothes to wear, so that I can return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. Do you want to give him a clap? Yeah, <laughs> really good. So Jacob didn't trust God. He took matters into his own hands, and we heard that last, last week. And it didn't work out very well, did it? He had to flee from his brother and the home he'd known for 75 years. Um, I think he was looking very good as a 75-year-old in that uh, video. And here's a map of the journey. 
it, the journey had to take was 750 miles. It's the same as Hailsham to Aberdeen. And he would have done that on foot and on a donkey on his own. He, at this point, he hadn't had a personal relationship with God. He was on his own. Isaac had blessed him, but God revealed himself to Jacob in a dream and endorsed the blessing from Isaac. God made the same covenant promises uh, that he'd made to Jacob's grandfather Abraham and Isaac. Covenant, by the way, just means agreement. But this wasn't an agreement where Jacob had to do something. This was an agreement which only requires God to be faithful. God said, I will. It was an unconditional promise. It's the unconditional promises I want to talk about this morning, promises of grace. Of course, there are conditional promises sometimes from God, and we've messed those up, we just repent and we move on. But those mistakes don't cancel the unconditional promises, they're separate. Let's look at the dream for a couple of minutes. So we've got um, a Tower of Babel on the left and the dream on the right. The stairway or ladder, sometimes called Jacob's Ladder, signified a connection between God and man. In this instance, it was God who provided the means necessary to link himself to man, as opposed to the men of Babel in Genesis 11 who tried to reach heaven without the help of God. And the dream is also highly symbolic because it represents Jesus Christ who came to earth and became that ladder or stairway for us to have a relationship with God. About 15 years after that dream, Jesus said, he quoted the dream, he said, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God, this is the next slide, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Son of Man means Jesus. The promise was of a new stairway for humans to access heaven, and that stairway is a person, Jesus Christ. God was showing that there is no other way to heaven except by faith in Jesus Christ. In John's Gospel, Thomas asked Jesus, so where, wherever you're going, how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And God wasn't just making promises for Jacob, but for the whole world. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And the Apostle Paul said that the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. The promise was to Jacob for uncountable physical descendants, immediate children, but also uncountable spiritual descendants, those who, like Jacob, have faith in God. Christians... We are the spiritual descendants God promised. We're the children that Tom talked about earlier. We're the promise. And God promised to look after Jacob, didn't he? He said he would look after him and be with him. Unlike his grandfather Abraham, though, Jacob didn't respond in faith. He tries to manipulate God by making a deal. He probably found it impossible to believe that God could be taken at his word. And Society has conditioned us all to be a bit like that, hasn't it? 
You know, if something seems too good to be true, we tend to think it is. There must be a catch. You know, that, that uh, phone call you get, that canvassing call, no, phone down. Somebody comes up to you in the street, no, they're after something. We're conditioned like that, but there's never a catch with God. God can be taken at his word. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and do this and do that and look after me and give me food and clothes, then the Lord shall be my God. Arrogant Jacob didn't understand who he was speaking to. He said, he was kind of saying, if you do all these things for me, God, you get to be my God, as if God should be grateful. Didn't understand it at all. But God promises, God's promises were unconditional. They didn't depend on the state of his character, thankfully. Nothing could stop them happening. Now, Jacob was materialistic. He wanted stuff, but stuff doesn't satisfy, does it? Loving relationships satisfy. Our greatest need is not stuff. It's a relationship with God. He didn't understand that. Before I was uh, a Christian, um, I used to fill my life with all sorts of things, like um, drink, and when I was a student, I dabbled with drugs, friends, relied on friends, and just stuff, filled myself. I had like 250 LPs, and I, I, w I was a bit of a hoarder. I liked to keep stuff around me. It made me feel, it comforted me. I'm still a bit of a hoarder. Got to um, clear out the loft soon. Uh, but nothing in life satisfies, and I even hopped from one girlfriend to another. But um, all I felt was, I'm not good enough. I know, I'll try harder. And then I failed. So I just disliked myself. I'm not good enough, I'll try harder, and then I'd fail. And then I didn't like myself, so I'd try harder. You can see how the circle just goes round and round got caught in that circle, and never got out of that circle. And then I even remember one girlfriend, I said to her, this is when I was about uh, 24, uh, I said to her, in my mind's eye, I just feel like in my spirit there's an emptiness, a darkness, and God, I didn't realize it was God at the time, was showing me this big hole in my life. Have we got the next slide? Um, oh, they should have come up one at a time, but they've all come up together, never mind. So this is me on the left with a big hole, you know, getting on with my life, going to parties, although I do look about 55 there, but never mind. Um, you know, and then sitting on the lump of uh, the, the gold, you know, stuff doesn't satisfy. I still had a hole. I looked for girlfriends and relationships, but still had a hole. I could have had the whole world, and I would still have had a hole. And then I gave my life to God. God came into my life, and the next day... I couldn't feel the hole anymore. I couldn't see the hole. I was like this. It had gone. Because it's a God-shaped hole. Only God can fill that hole. And I want to say to you this morning, do you have a God-shaped hole in your life? If you're not a Christian this morning, you do. You have a God-shaped hole. And when that hole was filled, it was filled with joy and peace. We were singing about that this morning. I became a different person. And then I read this book some months after that called Why Jesus. And I've put some on, on the chairs in front of you. And that's where these images come from. And I've, 
realized months later that God had showed me those pages in Why Jesus. I didn't even know. Amazing. God's amazing. He knows what's coming around the corner, doesn't he? So God promised Jacob big things, but he needed, Jacob needed to be ready to receive them, and that would mean changing Jacob. If we're all honest, there's a bit of Jacob in all of us. We're not better than him. No, we all deserve nothing, really, don't we? And we're all sinners. We all need to change. It's easy to judge Jacob, but we're just like him. In the next phase of his life, God taught Jacob to trust him and to submit to him in adversity through his uncle Laban. And a submission is important. I remember when I became a Christian, I said, God, you can have my life. God said to me, I was at a meeting, and God said to me, I wasn't a Christian at this point, and I just heard him say to me, I'm your father, you can trust me, give me your whole life, very clearly. And so on the spot, I said, God, you can have my whole life. You can do whatever you like with it. I'll do anything for you. But I didn't do anything for him. And I wasn't very submitted. Just like Jacob, I didn't trust him, quite trust him enough. I didn't, wasn't completely submitted. So he, to, for Jacob to enjoy God's promises, he needs to be changed. God's the potter. Jacob is the clay. And Laban is the tool that God uses. Video two. Jacob then set off again on his journey to heaven. As Jacob came close to heaven, he saw a well covered by a large stone and three flocks of sheep grazing nearby. Jacob asked the shepherds, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. Do you know Laban? Jacob inquired. Yes, and he as well, they answered. Here comes his daughter, Rachel, with his sheep. When Jacob saw his cousin, Rachel, he rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. He kissed her and wept out aloud. Then he told Rachel who he was, and she ran to tell her father. Laban invited Jacob to stay with them. After a month, Jacob said to Laban, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel, because he was in love with Rachel. At the end of the seven years, Laban held a wedding feast, but Laban gave his older daughter, Leah, but not Rachel, to Jacob as his bride. It was not until the next morning that Jacob discovered that he had married Leah and not Rachel. A furious Jacob confronted Laban. What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban explained. It is not our custom to give the young daughter in marriage before the elder one but I will allow you to marry Rachel in return for another seven years' work. Jacob agreed. A week later, Rachel became his wife also. Jacob worked another seven years for Laban. When the Lord saw Leah was not loved by Jacob, he gave her six boys. Rachel, however, remained childless 
So she envied Leah and complained to Jacob. Then the Lord listened to Rachel and gave her a son who was named Joseph. So we're told later, by the way, that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Basically, she was drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, maybe when Jacob saw her at the well, it went something like this. <laughs> Have to click it again to start it. Is it not working? Oh, is it not working? Okay, that's right. Just, that's fine. It was the Tom and Jerry moment where he sees her and his eyes pop out of his head with love hearts on them. Yeah, I just thought it was funny, cute. So this is, this is Jacob. He sees Rachel. He's like, wow. He was a bit of a show-off at this point. As soon as Jacob saw her, he removed the heavy stone, trying to impress her. Didn't even ask any help from anyone else, so I could do it on my own. And, Jacob was, and, and Rachel was probably very uncomfortable uh, with him kissing her when he just met her, and then promptly crying in front of her. Young men, this is not the best way to impress a girl, I'll just say. You know, kissing them and then bursting into tears is not one I would recommend. Um, Jacob was happy to work for Laban for seven years in exchange for marrying Rachel, but Laban deceived Jacob to get another seven years' labor out of him. Jacob the deceiver... Remember, he deceived his, uh, his father to get his brother's blessing. Jacob the deceiver was himself deceived. God was allowing Jacob to get a taste of his own medicine. And it might seem a bit mean, but this is part of him getting Jacob ready for the promises. Jacob probably remembered how he had lied to Isaac to get the blessing. Now he was learning what it felt like to be lied to and how wrong lying is. God had given Jacob seven boys and a girl. He was noticing the differences between Laban and the Lord. He was noticing that Laban didn't keep his promises, but God did. Next video. Jacob told Laban that he wanted to return to his home of Canaan. Laban knew Jacob had done a great job looking after a sheep and did not want to lose him. Jacob said, I will stay and work for you if you let me go through your flocks and remove all the speckled or spotted sheep and goats, plus every dark coloured lamb. They will be my wages. Laban agreed. So when the sheep bore young who were streaked or spotted, they became Jacob's. Jacob's flocks increased greatly, so Laban became angry and greedy, changing the agreement ten times so that Jacob could only keep either spotted or striped, but not both. But each time Laban changed the agreement, the Lord made the sheep spotted or striped in Jacob's favour. Jacob made separate flocks for himself, and these became larger and stronger than those that belonged to Laban. In this way, Jacob became very rich and had many servants. Jacob soon noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and I will be with you. Rachel and Leah agreed to go to Canaan with Jacob because they were also unhappy with their father. They got on their camels and took their herds with them, but they did not tell Laban they were leaving. Three days later, Laban was told that Jacob had gone. He immediately set off 
in pursuit and eventually caught up with Jacob in the hill country of Gilead. But in a dream, God warned Laban not to say anything good or bad to Jacob. Why did you run off and deceive me? Laban asked. You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. Jacob said, I have worked hard for you and treated you fairly, and God has seen my hardship. Laban promised not to hurt Jacob, and Jacob promised not to hurt Laban. They took an oath in the name of God and offered a sacrifice. The next morning, Laban kissed his daughters and grandchildren goodbye, and then returned home. So Laban took advantage of Jacob again and again. He kept changing the deal, but the Lord saw it. He reversed all of Laban's attempts to swindle Jacob, and Jacob's wealth increased more than Laban's anyway. Jacob saw the miracles that God performed with the sheep and the goats. God's grace softened Jacob's heart. Over time, he became repentant. He turned from his old wicked ways. He was diligent, honest, and he waited patiently upon the Lord for each blessing. After 20 years of serving Laban, the Lord told Jacob to return to his homeland. Jacob's trust in God had grown over time. He was a humbler person. God had changed him along the way, used Laban as a tool, and got him ready for the promises along the way. God can change even the most wicked person. What's impossible for man is easy for God. Jacob said to his wives, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. It's very different from when he first heard from God and he didn't really have any faith. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. God is our deliverer. He is our fortress. He is our comforter. He is our savior. He will always be there to protect us and look after us. I like short lines to my goals. You know, when, when I want to get something, I like to just go, there, there it is, got it. Nice short line. And we can all be a bit like that, but God has a way of occasionally sort of messing up my plans. You know, because remember, we should make plans, but they don't always go according to plan, do they, our plans? And, uh, but God has kind of a way of messing up my plans so that I don't miss up on what he has for me. So my plans tend to look sort of more, uh, sorry, his plans tend to look more wiggly and all over the place. And we can get confused and think God's not with us, can't we? I saw, while I was preparing this, I'd already got the idea, and this came up on Facebook. And I already felt that God was saying, this is what he wanted me to preach on. And when that came up, I thought, I've got to include that. When things go differently than we expect, like it did for Jacob, it's easy to panic, isn't it? Why have you let this happen to me, God? Why don't you care? I thought you were in control. Why have you left me? But we mustn't take matters into our own hands when that happens. We trust him and wait faithfully. God has not forgotten his promises. He never forgets his promises. Quite the opposite. He's preparing you for them. It says in, in Jeremiah, I will fulfill to you my promise 
and bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's for all of us. And we're just going to move on now because we're running out of time, so I'm going to miss out the next um, verse. But I just wanted to share a little testimony that, um, if I can find my sheet, and I knew this would happen. I've buried it here somewhere. Where is it? Come on. Ah, there you are. So when I was 15, before I was a Christian, I was really lonely, lost, and confused as as a 15-year-old. I really was living in my own little world. I knew nothing about life. And I struggled in all my relationships. And I remember being sat in my bed, and I asked God to help me. I said, if you're really there, Lord, help me. And that night, he came to me in a dream, just like Jacob had a dream. I haven't got time to tell you the whole dream, but in the dream, God showed me walking. uh, I was walking into a church with friends. I'd never been in a church in my life except for, you know, a wedding and a funeral. I think that was it. But I was walking into a church, and I was surrounded by friends, and then I was taken up into heaven, and I saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I'd never been to church. I'd never read the Bible And I knew that Jesus was this high priest who loved me. Later on, I read in the Bible that he was a high priest standing at the right hand of the Father. And I didn't understand at the time that God was promising a future for me. And uh, he put Christians in my life. I said, God, if you're really there, help me. And then over the next few years, he kept putting Christians in my life. And I didn't see it, I didn't appreciate it at the time, just like Jacob didn't appreciate it. And by the way, I need to say that not every dream we have is from God. When they're from God, you know they're from God. And I've only had two, uh, I think possibly three, in my whole life, but I dream nearly every night. And then I had, I noticed the God-shaped hole, and God came and filled that hole while I invited it into my life. And then one Sunday, after about eight years of being a Christian, I was at church, and um, bef- before I went to church, I was praying, and I said, God, you know what, um, you can do anything, you just change me, I'm very immature, I want a future, just do what if you like, just change me. And, uh, and I said, but I don't really understand grace, because I'm struggling, can you help me? I went to church that, that, that day, and uh, God spoke to me, I was sat in the front row, and he said, I'm going to give you a wife and a future in the church. And um, he said, you don't have to do anything. And, my, and it was like his spirit was speaking to my spirit, and my spirit went, oh, I don't have to do anything, that's wonderful. And the Holy Spirit said to me, yes, it is, isn't it? It was just like this conversation going backs and forwards. And that morning, um, the preacher, who didn't know me because he was from another church, he pointed at me and he said, what's your name? Well, Duncan said, we're going to pray for you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. God's already spoken to me this morning, like a right smart Alec. And, um, and, it, and I got drenched with the Holy Spirit and just the joy and the peace of God. But I didn't realize that God was honoring my prayer because I'd asked him to change me. He promised me a wife. I promptly went off and tried to find one. <laughs> promptly tried to take it into my own hands and it all went wrong. And my whole world went upside down. I felt like it was all over, but God had promised. He protected me. He looked after me. He guided me. He, it was like he took my heart in his hands, and it was safe in his hands. Your heart is safe in God's hands. A bruised reed he will not break. 
And those were some of the most precious times of my life. God says that if he takes you through a time of hardship and discipline, it's because he loves you. It's because he loves you. And 15 years later, he gave me a wife. And she sat over here. And she is the, the most amazing wife, the most amazing mother. Yes, she is. It was a long journey getting there. It was like this. But God was faithful the whole way. And he has made up for the years that I lost and he, he's protected me the whole way. And honestly, I can say that Vicky is way more than I deserve. And he's given me this amazing family. And I now have three grandchildren. I never had my own children. But he's given me this amazing family and three amazing grandchildren. And it all happened so fast. Then I found myself leading Alpha. I was just asked to do it. I wasn't looking for it. And I found myself up here. God is so good. He keeps his promises. He restores. And I need to finish. But I just want to say that um, if you're not sure you're a Christian this morning, my questions to you are, do you want what God has for you? Do you want his plans for your life? Do you want to inherit the promise? You may have even been coming to church for a long time or hanging out with Christian friends or perhaps you've been part of a Christian family, or you were christened as a child, as I was, but they don't give you a relationship with God. Being a Christian is not deciding you have a relationship, but knowing you have a relationship, and that comes from him. God asks you to soften your heart, repent of doing things your own way, just like Jacob did, and there's no catch. So uh, we've got an alpha course coming up um, where you can ask more questions if you're not sure, um, ask someone about the Alpha course. It's just Thursday evenings. You can come along and chat and have a free meal. And I'll be there and uh, we can answer your questions. Can we have the band back, please? Oh, blow. Two minutes past 11. Oh, I was so determined to invite you up before 11. Uh, yes, we're going to do that. Yes, I'm going to invite. Oh, okay. Is that okay? Cool. <laughs> You'll allow it. <laughs> so gracious. <laughs> All right, so everyone, please close your eyes. If you're not certain that you have a genuine relationship with God and you want his wonderful plans for your life, please raise your hand. Remember, I was like that when I was 15. I sat on my bed said, God, if you're there, if you're there, help me. If you want God to help you this morning, you're not sure he's there, just raise your hand. That's all you have to do. No one's looking. Everyone's got their eyes closed. It's only me. If you're afraid of putting your hand in the air, you can picture yourself putting it up, and God will see it. So it's just between you and God. Don't put it off. Do it now. And I'm just going to say a little prayer, and I'd like you to repeat it. Um, in your mind. But remember, you're not saying it to me, you're saying it to God. God, thank you that you love me so much that you died for me. Right now, I put my trust in you. I give you my whole life and I turn away from all doing things, sorry, I turn away from doing things my own way. I repent of doing things my own way. Please come into my life and help me. Come and show me the plans that you have for my life. Thank you, Lord. Amen.